The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. It's week 17. I'm Patrick Darty. That's Denny Carter. That's Patrick Crane. That's Kyle Dvorak. We'll be talking every game during this fantasy finals week, except, of course, Titans Cowboys, which we hope regaled you Thursday evening with Josh Dobbs and you know Malik Davis, maybe. I'm sure Noah Brown probably did something crazy in that game. I'm sure it was a hell of a football game, but we're not talking about that one. We're talking about every other one, uh, you know, the 49ers, the Raiders, the uh, Bears at the Lions at the highest total of the week. The Denver Broncos breaking in their new clock management head coach at the Kansas City Chiefs and so much more. But first we thought we'd talk about New Year's and, you know, I'm just assuming the two Pats, Denny, we're all over 30, we're washed, not going to be doing anything on New Year's. Kyle, I'm assuming you're doing something on New Year's, right, as a a 21-year-old? So the grand plan I have pitched to two of the four friends who I have at this time in my life (laughs) the other two of whom are home for the holidays. No, you say on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Honestly, if anyone's in town, we'd love to add some more players <laughs> to what will ultimately be a night of board games and maybe being in bed before midnight. I know for a fact I was asleep before midnight last year, uh, and I have two friends who we may be, you know, banding about the idea of them coming over and hanging out. But who knows at this point? Maybe it's another uh, a humble 10.30 sleepy time for me. Playing some, <laughs> playing some Bananagrams, maybe? Bananagrams. Yeah. Um, Denny, Pat, are either you going to uh, do a heel turn and have plans? I, I want to say something as the, the elder statesman uh, on this podcast. I'm 39. Listen, if you're, if you're in your 20s and you're listening to this podcast and you're, th- and you're thinking, I'm going to just relax. I'm going to be at home for New Year's and I'm going to be in my pajamas by 9 o'clock. Don't do that. Don't do not do that. You you go out. You get dressed. You look good. Go out and have fun with other people. You you said you get dr a word that starts with dr, and I was like, if you're telling me I have to, I guess I will. Have have more than one point five seltzers, hard seltzers, like like I do sometimes, and 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 go and go have fun. You you don't know. You don't know when when you hit thirty nine. And and you have a a kid, two kids, and two mortgages. You don't know how much you you want to go out on New Year's Eve. I'm tell, I'm be, I'm begging you. I'm pleading you with you to go out for me. Think of me when you do. This started so, as a riff, but it sounds like it became real about halfway real. through. It's very real. 
Let me say if uh, if you let's say you're 29, you know, you're staring down 30 in the face and you'd like to, I don't know, continue living your life. I would recommend moving to New York, a place where you can go out in your 30s like I will be doing not only on Saturday, but also on Friday. I'm, I'm actually kind of dreading <laughs> the fact I'm going to see Chromeo on Friday. Then we're going. There's, oh, awesome. there's multiple plans that may or that's still up in the air, but it sounds like we're doing worst. like a, a big group thing at a, at a game bar. Ooh. Also, a concert has been floated on Saturday. Uh, I'm not sure if I can do double concerts anymore. That that'll be a real test. A Friday Saturday night doubleheader is is probably beyond me. But but one on the docket for the Christmas uh, for the uh, New Year's Eve weekend. Uh, you know, we 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 do things here. That sounds here great, Crane. City of New York. That sounds great. I I've heard of New York, and I think that sounds that sounds wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I I think you know you combine that with with you know some drinking of Pedialyte between the events. And that that may know. need to happen. Yeah. No, the Midwest, you blow out the candle at 930. So um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not even an option yeah. for us here. But I, I'm the still electricity, left. You guys will get electricity. Yeah, we, we're, hey, next year, next summer, they said. Uh, a big government <laughs> infrastructure project bringing electricity to the St. Louis suburbs. But I'm still, I'm just leveled. I had a, one of those. There's so many bars that are like game bars now. Like played a bunch of bocce ball at a bar and like, yeah, I've been had three beers. I mean, that's, that was a Tuesday. Uh, I, this is the first time I've been awake since then. Um, so <laughs> that's how leveled I was from the bocce and the beers. And that's Recently how I discovered a uh, feather bowl, feather bowl, a, a bocce like game will, will be the, the featured game at this game bar. We're discussing. Is that the new pickleball Ponzi scheme? <laughs> it may have, yeah, maybe a Ponzi scheme actually, because you have to rent the feather ball court, and it's it's a bit overpriced. And feather ball, the balls are so heavy that like getting them from one side to the other takes quite a bit of time. So I do feel semi scammed by this. Yeah, but the thing is, like if you get scam. there early enough, you can rent, you know, you can rent the the feather bowl court or whatever it's called, and then other people, more people, will show up, and they'll want to rent it from you <laughs> at a higher price, and they can then rent it to there their friends. Go. Now go. I need to figure out a way to make a digital copy of this. <laughs> Well, no, so let's, let's seek some rent, folks. Let's seek some rent. Uh, let's seek some football. The Arizona Cardinals travel to the Atlanta Falcons in our first game of the week. Uh, Denny may have said to take the first half, uh, take, take Falcons minus 2.5 in the first half because the Cardinals traveling nine time zones, no chance they even score. Sleepy. They're uh, sleepy. This is a rapid-fire game where you are all only allowed to spend one minute maximum on what we expect in Cardinals at Falcons. Uh, we'll begin with Patrick Crane. He looks flustered. Give us your one minute on Falcons, Falcons, Cardinals. Just the emphasis on maximum really threw me, but I will say uh, the Cardinals, massive pass funnel. You know what that means when the Falcons come to town? Nothing. They don't care at all. <laughs> they are going to run the same exact game plan that they've run all season. Uh, the Falcons are one of only two teams this year, the other being the Bears, who have yet to post a positive pass rate over expected they go run first in every single game they're going to do it again and you know what i don't even blame them the cardinals they're 23rd in rushing success rate allowed they are not good against the run they're just worse against the pass so everyone passes against them that'll change this week though uh tyler algier 59 percent of snaps against the ravens he's flashing like elite chunk play runner chops right now yes. he is not a breakaway runner but he is rb10 in rush yards over expected per attempt so you know some decent chunk play uh, explosion. He seems RB9. like someone who should be on the Ravens. There you go. Yeah. He, he kind of, yeah, J.K. Dobbins, this, uh, this version of J.K. Dobbins. RB9 in success rate. He's consistent. RB7 in elusive rating. He's breaking tackles. Uh, 
the breakaway stuff would be nice, but if he's getting a bunch of attempts, then I don't care as much, right? He can kind of rack up yardage, and I think he's in a really good position to do that this this week. Greg Dennis Carter, one minute. Uh, Falcons, Cardinals. A million percent Algiers season uh, this week. And uh, obviously, I think you can feel pretty good about Drake London, even, you know, even though, like Crane said, they're not going to lean into the pass here. That's okay because Drake London has been getting so much of the air yards, so much of the target share. Three straight games of six catches for 70 yards. And that's, and, and if you adjust for Arthur Smith's offense, that that comes out to 15 catches for 280 yards for a, in a normal offense. He's actually surpassed Justin Jefferson as the adjusted NFL. The yeah, that's right. Leader. Listen, I wanted to mention. I, I I am legally obliged to mention that Trace McSorley, like me, is Dorch pilled. Okay, we're we're back to Greg Dorch. Well, it is uh, Colt McCoy, just to set the record fully straight. Though. And Colt McCoy's. <laughs> oh, you know what? Colt McCoy can, can also be George. Denny Bell. Carter, like Trace McSorley, in shambles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, they were all Dorch Pill. I don't know how they got off the Dorch Pill. Every, well, yeah. Pill. So basically, Dorch wasn't playing for a while, yeah. and no one really knew why. Last week was different 75%, I'm sorry, 79% uh, route rate. He ran almost every route from the slot. 10 catches on 11 targets so i think that he is like a deep league uh option and then the last thing i wanted to mention was oh right Taylor, oh the Tyler McCoy is starting this week of course yes and, and, which i knew he which did I know coming into uh, the podcast green and denny both went way over kyle one minute falcons cardinals uh well i don't know if you've heard but colt mccoy is starting this week and he only clears concussion know. protocol as of wednesday i believe so he's playing and that although colt mccoy i will not say too many positive things about him but the one positive thing i can say is that he is not trace mcsorley because of 56 quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks this year trace mcsorley ranks 54th in epa per play 56 in success rate and 54th in completion percentage over expected mccoy is not good necessarily by those metrics 47th 47th again respectively 27th though in cpoe like He's accurate. He just doesn't accomplish a lot with his accuracy. He's his pea shooter hits the target. It just doesn't really <laughs> result in like points. But the fact that you can have DeAndre Hopkins last week go out and see his usual 10 targets and catch one of them for, I recall, four yards, like that will be the difference. He'll now catch seven of them for 65 yards, maybe a touchdown involved, maybe not. So now that we have Colt McCoy back under center, feel free to fire up. Your Marquise Browns, who was like limited in his snaps because of being late to a, a meeting or something. I assume that's over with now. And DeAndre Hopkins, because he sees 10 targets like it's nothing. So fire those guys up because uh, Colt McCoy is back under center. Hooray. As we Trace knew, Mc- as, as all of us knew. As everyone knew. Uh, Trace McSorley will probably get a Strebler type package, by the way. Um, Denny, if it's 1 p.m. Eastern when this game kicks off in Atlanta, what is it on the Cardinals' body clocks? Uh, it's 3 o'clock in the morning on Friday. Uh, and, and so we have to keep that, you know, we have to take that into account. These guys are going to be sleepy as hell. This is brutal. Also the day after <laughs> the day, it's new year's day. So God only knows what they're doing Saturday. Night. Oh, already wow. been eliminated from the playoffs. So the coach, yeah, well, I don't, yeah. who cares? Yeah. Uh, who cares about this next game, which is Nick Foles at the New York football giants, a total of 38 giants are six point home favorites. Kyle Dvorak. What do we need to know about Colts at giants? Daniel Jones is, is as he has been all season, but even more so now than ever, really being coddled. 
but it's kind of working out for him. His time to throw uh, was over three in eight of his 10 games to start the year. In the past five weeks, it's peaked at 2.85. They're just getting the ball out fast, and they're actually passing at a higher rate than ex- overexpected than they were at the start of the season. It used to be negative 7% in the past five weeks. It's up to zero, neutral. So they're passing more than they used to relative to what we'd expect. They're doing it quickly, and his ADOT, Daniel Jones' ADOT, is down by just under a yard, and his CPOE, his completion percent overexpected, is up from 0.7 to start the year, which is fine. 0.7 is above average, above the expected, but only barely, to 3.6% above expected. And as you would expect, that's resulted in Saquon Barkley over the past five weeks leading the team in targets, then a tie between Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins. And then, although they're all kind of tightly bunched, Darius Slayton bringing up the rear among their four big pass catchers. So this sort of shift has resulted in a ton of scammy PPR points, but it really does push Slayton to the point where if he doesn't catch the long pass, you're kind of a long shot to get a good day out of him. This scam has become so PPR. It almost seems like it has like mafia connections. Like they're running numbers. Like this is like a real big deal running out of North Jersey. Like the feds are going to catch up eventually. But for now, take the Hodgins and James catches while you still can. Denny Carter, one minute, Giants, uh, Colts yeah. or something. Well, you know, uh, if this game goes the way I think it'll go, then I- – I don't think that James and Hodgins get to nearly the volume, you know, that they uh, got to last week. Daniel Jones has attempted 25 uh, average, 25 pass attempts in giants wins this season. Um, I suspect they will win this game and pretty easily. I wanted to mention the giants defense, which was as, as of, of Tuesday or Wednesday was available on a lot of waiver wires. And I, I will stand by this. I, I would play them over everybody except for the Cowboys. And I know that folks are listening to this on Friday, but I want to be clear, Cowboys and Niners. And that's it. Those are the only teams that I would play over the Giants this week. At home, big favorites. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They're opportunistic. Nick on Foles the handled end. the pressure very well in week 16. Right. I mean, I mean Nick, Nick Foles, honestly, Nick, Nick Foles could be sacked eight times. Here. Like, <laughs> in like, the first that, half. That's in play. In the first half. Patrick Crane, Giants, Colts. Here are some quarterbacks that Nick Foles was – Worse than an EPA per play <laughs> last week. Trace McSorley, Zach Wilson, Malik Willis. Notice the theme with those guys. All are going to be on benches this week somehow. <laughs> somehow we have to watch Nick Foles again. He was dead last in EPA per play, uh, by the way. So I got to pick literally anyone uh, for that little game. Uh, you got to believe that the Colts are just going to go extremely run heavy this week. But even that's not fun for us because we don't have Deion Jackson. We're looking at Zach Moss, 69% of snaps. Uh, last week, 67% in week 15. Jackson's still around. He's just not involved. And Moss isn't like Jackson. He doesn't get targeted. So we had a PPR scam with Deion Jackson earlier in the season. We have just two, two combined targets for Zach Moss over the last two weeks. He's just he's like Latavius Murray with, uh, with Nick Foles, at quarterback. No thanks. I thought you were going to say with better lawyers. I have no idea why I thought you were going to say that. But uh, very, very litigious. Worst lawyers, really. Yeah, it's true. Very, very litigious person. Tom Brady will become litigious if the Bucks lose to the Carolina Panthers. The Bucks, who did lose to the Carolina Panthers earlier this season, are three-point home favorites in what almost amounts to the NFC South championship game. Denny Carter, what do we need to know about the Bucks and Panthers? The Panthers, who set a franchise record for their most yards in the first half yeah. last weekend, and the Bucks, 
who uh, did whatever you call what they did on NBC on Sunday night. You, you know what the Bucks did last week? They did exactly what I said they would do last Thursday on this show. I said that they would eke out a win with a with the last second field goal because they are the Bucks and they are a poorly, poorly yep. coached team and everybody just doesn't want to be here anymore. No, <laughs> they do not. Um, Carl shouts to Carl Havoc. What do you think so, Brady's got going on New Year's Eve at 45? <laughs> I mean... A single chocolate chip, a single dark chocolate (laughs) chocolate chip. After after which he will exercise for four straight hours. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, I thought you were going to say excise, uh, but yeah, well, it's been it's been a a rough year. I actually think that uh, the Bucks being favorites here is a huge slap in the face to the Panthers. I think the Panthers win easily here, and I think that sets up that should set up really well for Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. Uh, when they played in week seven, which was a 21 to three Panthers victory, uh, Hubbard and Foreman combined for 181 yards on 24 carries. Uh, we, we know like how the Panthers want to operate super run heavy, very conservative on, on the passing front. I think they will be able to do that uh, against the Bucks this week. I don't care that the game's in Tampa. Okay. Like that doesn't make a difference to me. I mean, come on. Ha- have you, have you seen a Bucks game? There's like, there's no, no noise. It sounds like yeah, the COVID yeah. season. Yeah, it okay. does. It does. Um, they got to pump it in. It's a, it's a down bad. No, no offense. No offense to the Bucks fans. I uh, know lots of offense. You guys, you guys, <laughs> jumped, off, you guys jumped off the bandwagon. And like the second things t- went sour. Uh, anyway, yeah, Panthers in a romp. You, you, you're playing uh, Chuba Hubbard in PPR. You're playing Foreman. Uh, I think I think that you know DJ Moore can still get by because Darnold's been efficient enough. I also wanted to mention Mike Evans is a major major regression candidate. I know that folks don't love to hear about uh, about expected fantasy points, but since week eight, no one, no receiver in the NFL is further under his expected fantasy points than Mike Evans. So maybe, maybe that comes to fruition this week. Let me hop in. Cause you said Darnold has been efficient enough. No, 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 no. Darnold is first in the NFL in EPA per drop back. He Sorry. is second in yards per attempt. Obviously these are small samples. It's Sam Darnold. We don't expect them to hold, but do I think he could be like starter ish level for the final two games and maybe a playoff game? Yeah. Like they're doing a lot of things that make sense to coddle Sam Darnold. Like we talk about teams, protecting their quarterback like we talked about Daniel Jones. This team is doing it in an entirely different way. They are, like you said, the run-heaviest team in the NFL right now, a 14% pass, minus 14% pass rate over expected since Darnold took over. But that's worked out well for them so far because the team is second in rush EPA over that span. They're nearly like the – I mean, the Eagles the only team better than them at running the football, and they have the advantage of having a running quarterback. This is probably the best – running back running team in the NFL at this point. And when they do pass, Darnold gets the number six pass blocking line per PFF. He gets the benefit of the highest play action rate. And although play action isn't like the math bears out that it's not particularly affected by the efficiency of your run game. We do know that teams add more players to the box. I think Hayden Winks showed this last year. Teams add more players to the box when their opponents have been more efficient running. So he does get just on the whole play action or not better looks against like more single coverage type stuff. So I think there are some reasons for him to at least remain not a travesty. Also, the funniest thing that I found digging through his stats is that he has a 12% throwaway rate this year. Just 12% of the passes have been throwaways. Before this year, it was 6.3. He just, and you could tell this by watching his game immediately. The dude just cannot give up on a play. He's actually doing that now. And it's resulted in the lowest turnover-worthy play rate in the NFL this year. Again, on a small sample, but 
the team has done everything to make this system work, and I kind of agree with Denny. I think it'll continue to work at least this week. I mean, might, might I remind that they just lost to Mitch Trubisky two weeks ago? I know, I know, I, I and I, I cover that game. I actually don't understand how that happened. Okay, the, the, but the Panthers have the world against us, at, you know, thing going. I mean, I, I, I just I feel and the and the Bucks literally just hate each other. So they control I, their own playoff destiny. They beat the Bucks they and they beat the Saints. They're in. Yeah, yeah or even they beat Sam the Bucks. And the Bucks lose again the next week. I think their final game doesn't even matter at that point. Wow. They just shot to split. Yeah, shot. they're playing a lot like like the peak Titans from a two years ago at this point, where yeah. they're the best yeah. team on the ground and they take some high efficiency. They make high efficiency plays when they rarely take it through the air. So like, I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Pat, assign me this game. It's also probably like mm-hmm. geographically. My yeah, assign Kyle this game. Yeah, please give Kyle this game. Crane. They both. I let them go far too long. Anything to add before we get on from Panthers at the Bucks? Yeah, I have a lot more to add about the Panthers-Bucks game that wasn't covered. By <laughs> Don't the you disrespect event. these men working uh, their heinies off for a <laughs> terrible playoff loss in the wild card round? I will I will note that uh, Rashad White and Leonard Fournette split series last week. Uh, Fournette series were, like, way more productive, way longer. So uh, he, he did run, like, significantly ahead. But I wouldn't – 29 get, touches, season high. Yeah. I wouldn't get too – too carried away with what that means going forward. I think it's like roughly the same situation. Both have been bad um, and both will continue seeing work this week. There you go. The collapsed Las Vegas Raiders host the surging 49ers. I said is nearly touchdown home underdogs. That was before they benched Derek Carr and uh, went from six point underdogs to nine and a half point underdogs. There are skilled player stars galore on both sides in this game. But it is Broncos, or excuse me, 49ers fill-in starter, Denny, Brock Purdy, who has emerged as the most interesting Bay Area football player during the fantasy playoffs. Can we call Purdy a QB1 streamer, or does he max out as a scheme-dependent QB2, Denny Carter? So I, I really wanted to answer this question by saying, yes, he can get up to that QB1 uh, atmosphere. But I, but no, I, I, don't, I don't think so, because the Raiders – I don't believe can push the 49ers in the way that, that it would be required for Purdy to get, uh, you know, passing volume and really take advantage of a good math matchup. He's also, I should mention touchdown, uh, a touchdown regression candidate. He has a 7% touchdown rate and three starts, which is pretty high. I know it's a small sample. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to beware like the zero touchdown game. I guess it could happen, but I still, I, I like him more as a, a, a mid QB two streamer more than, more than a guy with upside. The Niners have the fourth highest implied total of the week, which is always good for, for the quarterback streaming process. Um, and the Vegas defense is allowing the third highest rate of positive pass plays. I think, I think we should see another efficient uh, game here. And, you know, maybe, maybe if the Raiders can push just a little bit, uh, we could get something out of Purdy, but I don't see it happening. They did. They did. They traded for Jarrett Stidham, so they really like the guy. They gave up a draft pick for him in May. That's something a real NFL team did. Let's give up a draft pick mm-hmm. for Jarrett Stidham. Crane, 49ers skill core without Debo Samuel. What's what's the lay of the land here? George Kittle going crazy all of a sudden. Brandon Ayuk not really seeing an uptick. Debo, they said he might return this week, but he hasn't practiced yet. Probably, especially in their 10 point uh, road favorites. Why force Debo Samuel? To return this game, probably not. So what is the 49ers skill core looking like right now without Debo Samuel? I think this is kind of a, a sneaky, exciting spot for the 49ers. I'm a little bit more optimistic than Danny that we do see some passing volume. Um, not like a ton. It's still the 49ers. But if you look at the pass rate over expected, in Trey Lance's two starts, they were at minus 17%. 
They were at minus 1% I remember with Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, with Garoppolo starting minus 1%. They've been minus 2% with Brock Purdy. So it's been similar. And Brock Purdy's uh, efficiency has been just below Garoppolo's. His, uh, his accuracy, very, very similar. Actually, slightly better than Garoppolo in incompletion percentage over expected. But it's like the same formula. And they get a Raiders defense that is horrible against the pass. I have them as, as the worst pass defense in the league because they, they faced a really easy schedule. So I don't think that the 49ers will be like afraid to attack through the air. We're not going to see like a ton of volume, but we're going to see like a balanced game plan, I think. And we're not going to need a, a ton of volume for guys to put up big games against this defense just that bad. Um, CMC, obviously an elite option. Brandon Ayuk has been the top traditional wide receiver all season. He has a 22% target share, a 32% air yard share. He leads the team in weighted opportunity rating. He leads the team in weighted targets per route run. He leads the team in first read targets per route. He's been like truly their number one wide receiver. Debo Samuel also gets used as a, as a running back and stuff. So he's got kind of a, a non-traditional profile. But, you know, with Samuel out, I, I feel pretty good about Ayuk this week. And then George Kittle, another great spot. He had... 100% route participation last week, 32% target share. Uh, I mean, this guy could be a fantasy football legend if he has another big week this week. Uh, let's go, George Kittle. Like I'd also know. Oh, good. Maybe if someone's capable of instantly becoming the most dangerous pass catcher in the entire league, that maybe they should have him do that instead of a block. You'd think. You'd think. Uh, I, I'll also know John Jennings. I think maybe, you know, some some dart throw DFS relevance. Uh, 88% route participation last week. Not just an emergency reserve either. He's at a route, uh, he's at a role all season, getting targeted at a decent rate when running routes. He has a 13% first read target rate, which is tied with Kittle and Debo Samuel this season. So, you know, they've they've called plays with him in mind at times. Uh, you know, this is this matchup is also good for him. Kyle Dvorak, I was going to ask you about Devontae Adams' slump and any chance he breaks it here against this elite defense. That was before. Uh, Jarrett Stidham had been installed as the starter. Devonta Adams under 30 yards each of the past two weeks. I mean, one of those, it was like Arctic temperatures on Christmas Eve night in Pittsburgh. But what's the forecast for Devonta Adams, who is slumping and now adjusting to a severe downgrade in quarterback play? Forecast is icy. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think it'll be as bad as it was for the sub-30 game. Because over the past three weeks, like you said, terrible, nine catches, 114 yards, no touchdowns. Like that is a solid but not that surprising single game from him this year. So to do it over three games is sort of shocking. But over that span, his role is essentially unchanged. A 31% target share, a 35% air yard share. The X factor, obviously, is Jared Sidham, who we don't have a lot of data on. But I think like the salient data point is that he entered the league in 2019 and has yet to start his first NFL game. And a data point I vaguely remember, and I'm pretty sure I looked up to be correct, is that uh, whenever the Patriots were winning a game by enough to bench, I believe at the time it was Tom Brady, they brought in Jared Sidham. He threw a pick six, and he got benched as the reliever. <laughs> I looked it up. He threw a pick six in 2019 in oh my a blowout. When I believe is a win. So I'm pretty sure that is correct. I have that story down. Pat. Very interesting. So, you know, he's got a career. Again, these are small samples, but they check out for a guy who has not started a game in his four year NFL, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, four year NFL four career. Years. Yeah, uh, 5.6 yards per attempt, a touchdown rate of 3.3%, and an interception rate, literally double that. So Adams will get a 
a ton of volume, obviously, is Devontae Adams. And even that in his slump hasn't changed. But man, the efficiency could be the Trace McSorley level of it even tanks DeAndre Hopkins type of stuff. You're still starting him, but your risk is as high as it's been all year. Do you guys have concerns about Josh Jacobs? And again, the 49ers allow the fewest rushing yards per game. They allow the fewest running back fantasy points per game. They're number one in run defense EPA. But I mean, he's still almost guaranteed to get 20 touches. Are any of you considering dropping him outside of the top 12? I'm getting a lot of questions saying, uh, should I bench Josh Jacobs this week? And I guess my my question and response would be for whom nah, you shouldn't bench Josh. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess like t- for Tyler Algier, I got, I, I would kind of, mm, I wouldn't do that. I don't I think, think so. I think I'd consider it. Yeah. I would. He's going to get 20 touches still. I, I, I Algier is too. Right. Algier's yeah. going to get 20 touches in a way better spot. I, don't know. I, 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 I would not be surprised if Josh Jacobs still just that that's just like the classic too cute by half to me. Like I, I feel like you start your studs. Yeah, it's such the easiest way, always way every week. But uh yeah. But like Dalvin what's Cook. What's the name or of that? He's character. not close to, to a Dalvin Cook, right? I'll, right. I'll never I, I kept him fairly high in the rankings, just to be honest. Um he's good. Do you have him over Cook? No, I don't actually. So I have him like only one or two spots behind though, but I, I would, I would still start Josh Jacobs this week. You of course can sue the NBC sports corporation on my behalf. Then when he does that, you go with the litigiousness again. There you go. Both smarting from week 16 losses, the bears and lions meet up in Detroit in this week's highest totaled game crane. What is the four one one? I actually wrote this down for some reason in Motown 52 total. So yeah, as I mentioned, Earlier, when talking about the Falcons, there are two teams that have yet to go with a positive pass rate of expected, Falcons and the Bears. The Bears have actually peaked. Their highest pass rate of expected all season is minus 5%, which is a very run-heavy number. I mean, they are committed to the to the run. And, like, we're talking about a 3-12 and team. They are not running the ball from a position of strength. They are trying to, like, prove a point here by just running the ball no matter what the game script is. They're now getting a Lions defense that ranks 29th in EPA allowed per rush. Panthers just ran all over them. The Bears are going to establish the run real, real hard. That's that's pretty good for uh, Justin Fields. It's probably also good for David Montgomery. He's uh, had a 68% snap share last week, 20 touches. Herbert, Khalil Herbert was back and saw eight touches. So he did, you know, cut into his workload a bit. But rushing volume isn't really a concern here. I think, you know, Montgomery will get there to to 20 touches, which, you know, I don't know. Does that make him a better play than Josh Jacob? Who's to say? But on, <laughs> I think at that point we're we're done, right? We're not really. I, you could maybe think about Cole Komet, um, but despite the high total, I don't think there's really much going on here on the Bears side beyond Montgomery and Fields. Uh, the Lions, they're also, I think, fundamentally a run first team. They're a bit savvier about the way they do it. They tend to be pass first on first down which helps set Jared Goff up for success. But still, the Bears rank 28th in EPA allowed per rush. The Lions are, they do have a lean to the run, and I think are fundamentally a run-first team. So they should probably attack the Bears on the ground here. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of talking myself out of this being like as high scoring of a game as uh, as Vegas seems to think. But Well, it's going to be uber chalk in DFS, so I'm kind of vibing with your talking me into some Galbrain stuff. All right, well, let's, let's Galbrain over to something The Bears else. are number 32 by run defense EPA, are they not? 
I mean, Jamal Williams and DeAndre I have them as 28th, but they're, they're low. You're thinking of their past yeah. EPA, which they are. Past EPA, they are the lowest. <laughs> and aren't the lines the same way? They're bad. They're just, you can't, can't cut them in anything. a way. Yes. Yeah, you can't yeah. cut them in a way that the, the Lions got a road, road paved by the Panthers. So, not yeah. a good deal. Oh, you mean the playoff bound Panthers? No, no. <laughs> they are not a good defense. But I do wonder if maybe, like, they're just not that much play volume if both these teams go run heavy. And then yeah. also, like, if the Lions go run heavy, how do we even play that? You know, DeAndre Swift had 56% of snaps last week, but, like, that was kind of an ideal game script for DeAndre DeAndre Swift. Like, he should have been – if you're not hitting 60% in huge negative game script, DeAndre Swift, what are we even doing? Yeah. So I kind of feel like you have to bet on Jamal Williams if you're betting on this this Lions backfield this week because it's kind of an established run type of week for both teams. Uh, I do, I do feel good about Amara St. Brown. That's not going to be a fun fade in DFS. Uh, when, when the Lions are moving the chains, he's going to be heavily, heavily involved. They will be moving the chains this week. He's seen a target on 29% of his routes. That's second in the NFL behind only Tyreek Hill. Uh, he, he, he'll be just fine. Anything to add on this game or are we, we moving on? Nah, it looks good to me. We're on to the Denver Broncos being 12 and a half point road underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're practicing in pads, though, on Thursday, Kyle, getting football tough as they head on the road to Kansas City. These are two teams sleepwalking through the end of the regular season, but for very different reasons. Uh, Tell us what we need to know about the ultimate going in different directions bowl between the Broncos and Chiefs. Well, Chiefs hopefully aren't sleepwalking because they're still very live for the first seed. It's them, Bengals with an outside chance, and Bills are the other. It's like, true. That it's, they, have, they have a lot to play for, but, I mean, they have, like, not even try, like, this weekend. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty based annoying. on the spread, they don't – I mean, they don't need to try to beat Denver. One thing uh, they are trying to do is figure out uh, other receivers other than MBS to play opposite Juju, who's – Boy, is that guy bad. Lineup. Yeah, and he was. It looks like he's finally been demoted. Last week he ranked fifth on the team in routes. So you think, oh, who do they bump over him? I, I think last week Kadarius Tony scored. Didn't have to look it up because it wasn't him. He ran nine routes. My best ball shares. It's Sky Moore. They're finally no six routes at the tight ends. Those guys no. Who? Of course it was Justin Watson. You, you <laughs> of course it was Justin Watson who has less than one yard per out run this year. They have so many mm-hmm. interesting players on this roster. Play two tight end. I think their backup tight ends are interesting dudes, or or maybe multiple running backs. I don't know, but instead they elevate the one guy who I just no matter how many routes he runs, who, who cares? So you can only play as far as like the actual tight end receiver pass catchers go. You can only play uh, Juju and Travis Kelsey. Don't forget that Mikkel Hardman might finally be returning this week from injured reserve. I doubt he gets up to an immediate full-time uh, role. Actually, think He'll be at 40% participation. Yeah, yeah I think Kyle, he... the way they've been talking about his health, he's not going to be just plug-and-play on mm-hmm. the Chiefs offense. And I do think he's pretty certain to come back this week. I actually think uh, Andy said some positive comments about him playing, but like you said, and they have no, like we said, they're 13-point favorites. There's no reason to force this dude to jump into the wide receiver two role. Even if that is, honestly, it would almost make sense at this point, if it's not going to be Kadarius Tony or Sky Moore, it makes sense for him over MBS. But we won't see that this week. You're only playing two of their pass catchers. And on the other side, like, I wrote so few notes because this team is so dreadful, is that Latavius Murray fell to 40% of the carries last week. I believe it was Chase Edmonds' first game off IR. You need 100% of the backfield for one single player for them to be a fantasy-relevant option. This team just got absolutely Barry, boat race, the most embarrassing loss of the year, potentially, by the Rams. You know, the Rams practice squad. If you're not getting every single carry, every single target, uh, not playing the running backs, Jerry Judy and Colton Sutton both, you know, ran around in most of the dropbacks. And Greg Dulcich not practicing at the start of the week. I haven't seen his Thursday update. If he doesn't play, if he doesn't play, yeah. Judy banged up as well. 
I think he's Judy, always banged up. He, so last week he left the game briefly with, I, I think it was again, the lingering ankle issue or whatever, came back and then they limited him at the start of the week, I believe. So I, that seems like maintenance adjacent, you know, maintenance for a player who's not a hundred percent, but what, you know, no other options. So Sutton and Judy, it's supposed to be uh, like, it's, it's a game where they should pass a lot, right? It's not a game where they should score many points because of the Broncos. They don't score points. They kind of didn't last time these two teams faced. So I'm a little more on board, especially with Dulcich looking like he isn't going to play. A little more on board with the fact that, yeah, you can probably play Judy and Sutton, not based on their team, the you know the way their team's played. But it's a low, you know, it's a underdog matchup with the Chiefs. Sure, you can play him. Well, do you know Jerry Judy's averaging three touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs this year? So that is true. Some would argue he's the wide receiver one overall. Uh, That's like got to be 90% of Russell Wilson's touchdowns this year, I think. It's cl- it's very, very close. It's like 25%, 25% of yeah. the toilets. I take no pleasure in saying that Russ cooked last time these teams played. Other than the pick six. He did, that he did throw three picks. picks. And, yeah, one of them a hilarious pick six. He had 25 points, and he had to leave in the fourth quarter. Imagine <laughs> if, if, you know, the videos of someone burning their turkey and like the massive gasoline or the massive oil fire, right? But then the turkey still came out nice with the crispy edge to it, right? <laughs> That's, That's kind of like... the last time these two Are there videos were... of people burning Russell Wilson jerseys from Denver yet? Is that a thing? Oh, I mean, I'll look it up, but I don't need to. There are. I know how the people work. Yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly. The Stuart free speech is back on Twitter. You can... <laughs> the video should be someone in the store, like they didn't even make it out of the... <laughs> Uh, Dick's employees gathering around and letting the customers <laughs> yeah. just burn the entire no, it's safe. It's safe. Yeah. yeah. And it's justified. Uh, it's also justified to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Just a reminder if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during bowl season and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Steelers and Ravens in our Sunday Night 7 contest. The end of the season, every promo rated, I feel like I cannot pronounce contest. I get hung up on my con. I can't say that word. You want to say content. Don't you? Yeah, I don't know what mm. I want to say, but it's in my, I can't say contest. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Uh, Bills Bingles, guys. It's the game of the week, a potential AFC championship game preview. Crane, I'm sorry we have you pigeonholed as the Bills backfield guy, but as the Bills backfield guy... Tell us the latest developments between Devin Singletary and James Cook. I kind of enjoy it, you know. It's to get to dive in, see what the latest is. It's like a, it's like a new TV show that I've that I've started watching. Um, no, this is kind of interesting this week because last week I think was was very much a Devin Singletary setup. You know, you got bad weather, kind of 
lean on the the kind of more reliable chunk play guy in Singletary, but he only had a 58% snap share. Cook was at 41%. Over the last four weeks, Cook now has snap shares of 41%, 36%, 41%, and 43%. He's like a legit part of the offense. And this is, I think, kind of more of a Cook setup where we're looking at, you know, potential shootout with the Bengals high scoring game environment. The guy who's better in the passing game is clearly Cook. Uh, if you look at running backs with 20-plus targets, he ranks ninth among running backs in yards per route run. Singletary ranks RB41 of 49 qualifying running backs. So I think, you know, this is kind of an interesting week to play James Cook. Now, would I play him over Josh Jacobs? Yeah, yeah, you know, I probably would. It's a terrible matchup for Jacobs. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yes, please, God, be parody. Um, remember, remember, you have to clearly label it parody. Yeah, also parody on Montgomery. I would like. <laughs> oh wow, okay, good. I actually oh, wasn't sure. Oh, about serious? I thought no, that, 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 that yeah, yeah, you seem pretty serious. But... Tyler Algier was not. That's close, I think. But I would still play. Jacobs. I think Montgomery's Tyler, close. Not, not I think Montgomery's close. Yeah, I do too. Um, so yeah, interesting stuff in the Bills' backfield. Very hard to evaluate on a weekly basis, but Pat did a good job. Denny, I asked kind of like the way I phrased my Joe Mixon question. Like, uh, it made not, me laugh. <laughs> not, I won't say it on air, but hasn't been producing as I, I thought he hadn't been producing. He has no touchdowns in three games since returning from his concussion. Yeah. He is still the RB nineteen by average PPR points in that time span, which to me then I was like, wow, this all it really means is he's been producing. This hasn't been scoring. Seems like it would be a good environment for him to finally like regress back to his touchdown mean what do we think with joe mixon for week 17 right i mean it, it is a good environment so he has that going for him but but you know since samaj p ryan started taking a little more of this backfield it it, it just it just completely undercut uh mixon's ceiling uh, outcomes which we saw for for a bit there when he was seeing everything when he was saying the all the passing down stuff all the uh, high value touches uh, in, in that backfield, and and that's what you need for for a for a deeply inefficient uh, fantasy producer like Mixon. You need all that. He's not getting that now, so I do think that he's more of like an RB two uh, type play. Uh, the Bills uh, have become one of the NFL's most extreme pass funnels, and the Bengals have really committed uh, to the pass, as anybody would know who listens to the show consistently. Uh, they've uh, the Bengals have been well over their expected pass rate in nine of their past 10 games. So this is not obviously not a blip. Like they're all in life is on, good. on the past. It always takes Zach Taylor like a month to figure it, it does. out. He's yeah. just like, yeah, it well, seems just... to be quicker every year though. It is yeah. getting a little quicker every year. So the Joe, next, next... I want to do the Kyle. Well, the Joe Burrow guy seems like he knows what he's doing. Um, sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the deli, Pat. <laughs> uh, I, need, yeah. I need to visit a few more. Yeah. Northeastern delis to get that accent. Right. Uh, Mixon is still seeing most of the green zone work, so he could end up kind of stumble into the end zone here. Uh, only Jamal Williams has more rushes inside the 10 yard line than Mixon. Not that he's done much with it, but it is something. Kyle, Jamar Chase, this feels so close to an eruption. I guess you could argue he had one a few weeks ago. I think it was 10 catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. A pretty good game. It just kind of keeps catching like seven balls for 80 yards. Like really good games. Wide receiver one games but this feels like he's overdue for like one of these eight catch 160 yard two touchdown games. Any reason to predict one for the fantasy finals here against the Buffalo bills? Yeah. If you are correct that he had like 10 for 119 and a touchdown, that's, that's a like spike. Week. Isn't it like nearly 30? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he only put up 28 PPR. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 
there you go. go. You got uh, it, bud. There go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, of course, any week. I, like, this is a tough defensive matchup, but the thing that, like, the NFL has kind of borne out for us is that defensive matchups are only as difficult as the offense is bad with some degree of margin, right? Like, the Bengals have been able to beat difficult defensive matchups, and given that they also face an offense that should be able to put up points, I expect this to be a, a pretty fun back-and-forth affair, as does Vegas. It has nearly a 50-point total, and Chase has just been dominant even in the past two weeks in which T Higgins has been back and and pretty much in his normal role in terms of routes run he has a 28% target share and a 40% air yard share so do I think Chase in a 49 and a half point total Jamar Chase can have a big game yeah I I think I I think he can Uh, we we want a legendary game though we want like 10 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns what he did against the Chiefs I think by the way Joe Burrow uh, we supposed to be a, a regression candidate this year the yards for attempt are down almost a yard and a half, but I mean, 34 touchdowns and one fewer game. The touchdown rate still over 6%. Uh, Joe Burrow is a superstar. Yeah, the him. analytics have once again failed. Yeah, he is a confirmed <laughs> well, I got to say, I mean, I was never – sometimes we should just take guys who are really good. You know? Yeah, I know. Like, I'll never. The thing That's, is – I wrote that listen. several times. The guy's a model breaker. He's a model breaker because he's yeah. a superstar. The analytics, by the way, were the ones telling us that – Right, it was like, oh, the analytics are too hot, too hot. Can't trust yeah, these analytics. Uh, it's, no, <laughs> never, ever. Any thoughts, Patrick Crane, on Stefan Diggs' recent slump? Mere slump by his standards, but so I thought I was complaining about Jamar Chase, even though we've had had a spiked week, not having any spiked weeks. Stefan Diggs is not at a spiked week in a month. Three for thirty-seven, five for sixty, two for twenty-six this past three weeks. All three of those without a touchdown. You know, a great man once said, start your studs, start start your studs, Uh, elite 2.45 yards per route run, even with this little mini slump here, Uh, supported by elite target volume. He ranks 91st percentile in ESPN's open score. They're not just feeding this guy targets for the sake of feeding him targets. He's getting open, plays with Josh Allen. He's in a shootout. He's a focal point of the offense, by the way, with an elite first read target rate. So they are feeding him targets, even though they don't have to because he gets open. It's, I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat it. I think the one like variable that can explain his past, but I don't think will have a bearing on this, is they since week ten, which is the first time we saw the Josh Allen elbow injury pop up, uh, they have had a positive pass rate over expected of one percent. Like right. they've become a completely balanced team, but they played in a weather game in Chicago, and I believe they had at least one blowout, which like I don't care if they have a negative pass rate over expected. Is it a weather game against the Dolphins? It was snowing. They had a lot of bad weather. Yeah, like I, I think that explains what happened in the past. But when push comes to shove, this is still the Bills. I still believe they will uncork Allen in this game, even if maybe like it should have been more predictable a week ago, two weeks ago, that they would play more balanced. That doesn't, I don't think that has a bearing on this game. So it's Stefan Diggs country. Let's ride. I've also noted that they have experimented with doing more 12 personnel, more, you know, two running back stuff, um, less three wide receiver sets. But like when they played the Lions on Thanksgiving, they abandoned that completely and just went with a big old like 85% um, of their snaps out of three wide receiver sets type of thing. And they've, they've tended to like experiment a little bit with that. If the matchup um, kind of favors a little bit more power running, but they're not changing their identity. And I think it's, it's kind of sharp, right? Like they're heading into the playoffs. Like they're sort of seeing if they can get like that necessary power run, um, you know, alternate strategy in place for, for when they might need it. But this is not that game, you know, they're going to be, I think, yeah. 
putting the pedal to the floor. Last week, they definitely leaned into that, you know, mindset of, of exploiting the opponent's main weakness. And, you know, the Bears, Bears are terrible in all aspects on defense, but especially against the run, uh, both Singletary and Cook had over 100 yards in the touchdown. They had three, as a team, three total rushing touchdowns against them. There was no, like, they weren't even pretending. They were establishing it. The, that, the Bengals are not in that position or are not going to put them in that position at all. As uh, Sal slices my honey ham to the exact perfect level of thickness, he's saying to start your studs, start Stefan Diggs, start, start Josh Jacobs. Yeah, just and, and you know, then I begin to bicker with him because I asked for a pound of honey ham <laughs> and it's 0.86 pounds of honey ham. And then we get in a fist fight and it goes viral on TikTok. <laughs> it would go viral, I'll tell yeah, you what. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, maybe it's 0.92 pounds. I'd accept that, but 0.86. I mean, this is ridiculous, man. You slap Sal with a slice of honey yeah. hammer across yeah. the face. No, I, sl- yeah. I have a thing of frozen garlic bread and just hit him in the face. Oh, you're, wow. You're screaming about inflation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Jerome Powell. Yeah, yeah. So you call you this honey ham? Yeah, I quote, make a scene and then quote, get arrested and quote, can't host Road to World football show. Um, but, uh, anyway, moving on. Missing to a tag of Aloha, the Miami Dolphins travel to New England. Denny Carter, a surprising road underdogs. Give us the lay of the land, including whether Teddy Bridgewater is a viable fantasy final streamer. Look, I, I don't mean to like be offensive or anything to, to uh, truthers, but. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is pretty much a one-for-one replacement as far as fans. He is. Goes. It's inescapable. <laughs> I, I don't know. You do mean to be offensive. Yeah, you, no. this seems inflammatory. No. Your Honor. I don't, I don't mean – look, at the, the other guy, the third stringer, he's not. Okay? Skyler. Like, we love our Skyler. Skyler Thompson. Skyler Thompson, he's not as good as Tua. That's what I would say. But Teddy Bridgewater is pretty much Tua. So – we, I don't think we have to worry too much about Tyreek Hill or or about Jalen Waddle. Uh, in week six against Minnesota, when, when Bridgewater started, uh, Waddle and Hill combined for 60% of the targets and 72% of the air yards. Uh, Tyreek Hill actually led all NFL receivers that week and expected fantasy points. Waddle was 13 in expected points. Uh, so I, I'm not, I'm not too worried on, on that front for the Miami offense. Uh, on the other side, the Dolphins are now, the most extreme pass funnel defense in the NFL. I don't know if that will make a huge difference for how the Patriots operate, but I think it does make Jacoby Myers somewhat interesting. Um, in week one against the Dolphins, he caught five passes on six targets for 55 yards and uh, no, no touchdown. Sorry, I thought it was all touchdown. <laughs> it sounds like Bailey Zappi is set up to really blow up in the second half of this game once he yeah. takes over. So I, it is a, it is a good spot for the New England passing attack, if you can call it that. Uh, just just keep that in mind. And I keep seeing, oh, by the way, on my Tuesday stream uh, for the NFL and NBC YouTube page, people were asking, do I bench Ramondre? And No. The answer is no. You, that, that, like, I know, like, he, because he fumbled. So the thought is he he's, fumbled. He's had an eventful two weeks. I will say, uh, he's doing things that normally would, Bill Belichick would have put him on yeah. a Southwest flight that got canceled to Siberia. Yeah, uh, no. Southwest flies international now, by the way. Right. He, I, would, he would usually be on the Broncos practice squad by now. Yeah. I didn't know Ramondre's stat line last week because, you know, it was a busy week last week and I didn't get to see all the games. I was really hoping I could come back and say, like, we finally got a long catch from Ramondre. 
two catches, three yards over the past three weeks, six catches for negative one yards. He really is the guy Denny says he is, which is yeah, good. Yeah, but he, runs, he has long runs. Yeah, exactly. He Denny acknowledges the long runs. Just the passing part, Denny. Has Listen, I'm just – I'm holding out, guys. I want I want to see one day in my life Ramondre Stevenson catch a pass and not just immediately fall down. You know, that, that, that would be cool. Maybe if uh, we but, throw him like a pass that it's unclear if it was like behind the quarterback or ahead. Oh. So he doesn't know if it's a reception or if it's a run. He'll take think, that one long. I think we're on to something. I think, I think we're on to something. Anyway, you're, you're, you're starting. Let's not get, yeah. let's not get crazy with that one. I will say one, the only concern I might have about Teddy Bridgewater as a streamer. I mean, it is Bill Belichick. It's also that he's become one of these backups, kind of like Colt McCoy. Like the second he comes into a game, he just gets injured. <laughs> like he gets injured uh, not infrequently. I feel like maybe I am a, little, a risk with Teddy. I am a little worried about that. We're, we're hoping that no one actually touches Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, please do not touch Teddy. Are we? Is it a little? I'm somewhat surprised the Patriots are favorites. I, I, I don't. But I, I don't. Well, know it you, seems like the market is saying that there is a difference between Teddy Bridgewater and. Uh, well, also, I think the market's worried about this. Dolphins passing offense, which, you know, the they they've been figured out narrative, you know, didn't didn't necessarily get any quieter last week, although Tua Might having a concussion for the say. the fourth quarter of that game or whatever was probably not helpful. Whereas, I mean Mike McDaniel literally said he was playing so poorly, I've kind of wondered if he was concussed and then found out that he was actually Oof. concussed. Well, and then he um, talked to him after he watched the film and he said, Oh my you need to go to the doctor. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Wow. Um, uh, producer Adam says Dolphins initially one and a half point favorites. Oh no, no guarantee. That's all two. All right, all right. So Teddy's oh. a little worse than Tua, but just I, barely. I I don't think it should have been such a line mover. I will. Well, prefer. like zero is not that big of a number, right? Because games are almost never like mathematically ending on zero, so that number like isn't as much of an importance as you know key numbers like seven or three. Um, Damian Harris is he is he coming back? He's probably practicing. He, he literally has been practicing for weeks. <laughs> right. I don't. Yeah, he as, the, as supposedly the injury guy, not that I understand the medical aspect of injuries, I just I grind the news and, and read the tea leaves probably more than most of us or at least focus on it a lot. Dude, I have no clue. He literally is limited every single day. It's insane. I've never seen play. anything like it, actually. I mean, it's I've been, so Bill Belichick, though, to be it fair. Is. Like, it's been a many – I've been doing this 12 seasons. I it's been a long time since a guy was practicing for three weeks. It was limited and there's still. It, it feels back. like the IR window thing, right? Where we yeah. don't actually know, but obviously we, we quote, we do know, but limited could literally mean he was out there for a snap or two and left. But that's the point. No, no clue. No clue. It's something to watch for sure. Yeah. Very much something. We're looking into it very um, powerfully. Breaking news here. Uh, Broncos signed uh, Tyler Beatty off the, the Ravens practice Ooh, squad. So I know man, I wish that. I hadn't dropped him in Dynasty. It's a, <laughs> it's a big favorite. Pat, yours, I, I have a feeling you're going to be all right. <laughs> By the way, I dropped Sony Michelle for Raheem Blackshear on Wednesday night. Um, now I'm a proud Raheem Blackshear manager. for the tw- I love 24-year-old rookies. Patrick Crane, the, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles host the New Orleans Saints as nearly touchdown home favorites. I've already asked everyone else on this podcast about Gardner Minshew's week seven streamer viability. Might as well ask you as you break down this game. Yeah. I mean, pretty viable. The only issue with uh, starting Gardner Minshew is that the Eagles might not because they, they do seem to, I don't know, have some hope that Jalen hurts plays. I feel like it's uh, smoke, which I don't know why they're bothering with this, but I, yeah, I, if I'm wrong, but I saw hurts was at practice. Today. He did practice Thursday. He is practicing yeah. Thursday. 
so I, I think we have to take it with like, you know, I don't know. We have to not take it with all the salt is I guess what I'm saying. Um, yeah. It's a situation to monitor. Possible. Very, very much a situation to monitor. And the Eagles might just want to get this thing wrapped up so then they can give Hurts week 17 and wild card right. weekend off with the bye. So there's not no motivation to get Jalen Hurts back this week. For sure. Uh, with that, you know, there's a lot of, lot of uh, uncertainty there. But it's, this is a pretty interesting spot for the Eagles passing offense. The Saints do not have a pass rush. Um, the Eagles, their big weakness on offense is that they allow quick, quick pressures at a high rate. The Saints defense ranks 31st in quick pressure rate. Um, so even if Hertz is out of the lineup, I think this is a, a pretty good spot for the Eagles passing game. Pretty excited about A.J. Brown. He's tied with Tyler Lockett for the lead in ESPN's open score. He gets open. He also gets open downfield. He has a 12.6 ADOT. That is why he has such a high ceiling, you know, gets open deep downfield. You love to see that. Devontae Smith, also a strong bet. He's got a 1.94 yards per outrun, which is pretty strong. Uh, he looks uh, kind of locked in, I think, regardless of who's at quarterback. Those two guys have just been dominating uh, targets over the last seven weeks. They finished 1-2 in target share for the Eagles. Dallas Goddard has missed some of that, but Goddard has not really had that strong of target volume this season. He has a 1.96 yards per out run, which is really nice, but his target volume has not been very impressive. And if this is kind of more of a low volume passing game, uh, then I'm not as excited about Goddard. I think he's, he's definitely the riskiest of these options. And I do think that we probably are looking at lower volume, particularly if Hertz is out. But I mean, even if Hertz is in, right, they're trying to preserve the shoulder. I don't think they're going to just go completely nuts. Maybe they even pull him, you know, if they get up. So I think we probably do see a more conservative Eagles game plan. They went conservative against Dallas. Um, and so I think just Brown and Smith here, right, with with all the uncertainty. Also having trouble trusting Miles Sanders. Uh, he's dealing with a knee injury. He lost a crucial fumble last week. He uh, had four straight or five straight uh, red zone carries that he lost to Kenny Gainwell. And then Gardner Minshew sneaking a uh, – yeah, I think it was five straight. It was five sneaking, straight per your yeah. blurb. Yeah, trying to remember my own blurb. Uh, it's, it gets harder by the day. But uh, Kenny Gainwell with four straight and then uh, Gardner Minshew rushed in a, a, a QB sneak for the touchdown. You don't like that since this whole profile is kind of on touchdowns and them establishing it. He's so becoming Chase Edmonds it, who doesn't catch passes. Yeah. <laughs> Runs between oh, the man. Yeah, so that's that's tough. Um that's I still think, you know, he's in the mix, but uh it's just it's just more risky than you'd like given what could be a run heavy game script. On the Saints side, they're definitely going run heavy. Uh Saints rank third in EPA allowed per drop back. They're not going to want to mess with that pass defense. They rank 22nd, though, in EPA allowed per rush. So you can run on the Eagles. The Saints are definitely going to try. Um, and, you know, maybe if the Eagles are more conservative on offense, then that gives the Saints more permission to just go real conservative themselves. They're not going to get blown away like they would with a healthy Hurts. The issue, though, is Kamara has not been impressive as a rusher this season. His, uh, he's special as a receiver. He's running back three in route participation, running back three in target share, running back three in yards per route run, but kind of needs the Eagles to force the Saints off a, a run-heavy script here. He's, he's also, also been losing third down snaps and was like complaining about it this week. Yeah, and he was also absent at practice again today for personal reasons. So yeah. it doesn't seem ideal for Kamara. Uh, I don't know. I guess you kind of have to start him, but 
Yeah, just, he's oh, still top 20, but it is a kind of a strange yeah. situation. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. How well, many touches did playing. David Johnson get last week? If it's over four, I'm going to say you don't have to start. It was over. I think it was like six or something. <laughs> you totally don't have to start. Wasn't it? I, I think I, that's why I threw out four. I know it was like either three, five, or six, something in that range. That but, man, like. We're all scrambling to look it up. But, he's yeah. like, we, we had a blurb this week about Dennis Allen saying, I don't know why Kamara is not on the field on third downs. Don't ask me. It sounds eight. like a great start. <laughs> eight. eight touches. And you guys think Alvin Kamara is still a guy you should start. <laughs> I mean, Sal's he did a lot more than eight, didn't he? Yeah, it's just, sure, he did. He did. But, uh... Chris Olave could be coming back from his hamstring injury. Yeah. Um, Rashid Shaheed, best receiver in the league still. But, yeah, <laughs> uh... 2.47 yards per hour run for Chris Olave. Pretty wild stuff. But – Come back, I think Chris. probably limited routes coming off the hamstring and yeah, hard to trust. Hard to trust. Yeah, they're going to be run heavy. They will be very run heavy. We will be very break heavy. We'll be right back after this. Download the Rotor Old app to see breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Kyle, although their playoff hopes have largely been dashed, the Jets have at least gotten back their best quarterback, Michael White. Is White mostly a meme, or is there actually something to streaming him? And what does he do to the rest of Gang Green's offense in Week 17? Yeah, he's definitely not a meme. I mean, Vegas, and more importantly, the market of lots of money betting on these lines says no, because as uh, it opened at one and a half, Jets plus one and a half, and has moved to minus two. It's clear that, like, and, and anyone with eyes can tell you this, but now we have a lot of money backing it, saying it. So it's clear that Mike White makes a serious difference. Jets have averaged 286 total yards of offense in Zach Wilson's starts. That's total yards. Whoa. And they have averaged 420 yards of offense with Mike White as the starter. Man. Looking at his starts last year, that number jumps to 437. They are an infinitely better offense. They are extremely run-heavy when they don't have Mike White, and they're pretty neutral when they have Mike White. They also get an extra 13 plays per game both via pace, but also just being a good offense drives sustain themselves and you get more plays. This is just, this is perfect for everyone involved. I mean, even like, like Zonovan Knight, who doesn't, hasn't really been used as, as a runner or as a pass catcher, excuse me, having a better offense is better for him too. Even if it means zero more catches, you just want potential for points to be going around and more plays. So I like, 
I totally think you can start Garrett, Garrett Wilson as like a top. You can start as a wide receiver one, dude. He's I have as wide. I have as the wide receiver twelve. Yes. Oh, I was worried you were going to tell me you had him as like seventeen or something. Yeah, no, I don't want to say feasted. wide receiver one, but like twelve. Yeah, absolutely fair. feasted in Mike White's three starts. I believe he had nineteen catches for three hundred and thirty-five yards and two touchdowns in Garrett Wilson's three starts. Just because I, I think twelve is like that's why I was ha- wavering on saying one, but just to be ahead of you, I'm putting him at eleven. Well, there you go. There you got to you got to one up me. The only. Oh, again, the only real concern I have with Mike White is he's another one of these backups who just seems like, well, I don't care about my body. I'm just going to get instantly injured, and he seems to get hurt quite a lot. Uh, Good news is he loves coming back in when he gets injured. He does. He needs to learn to protect himself, though. Okay, Well, he should wear that big old thing that Patrick Mahomes wears around his midsection. I'm sure he will be. Put that thing on, man. He will be this week. Denny, Kyle mentioned Zonovan Knight. Let's get a Jets backfield check-in after night's uh, week 16, what can only be described as an implosion. I told several people they could still play him, and he had six carries for negative two yards. Um, Well, I mean, Zach Wilson sinks all boats. I think that that's that's the the key to this, uh, thinking about this Jets offense, including Bam Knights. You know, he's not not part of the passing game, so he is going to be somewhat touchdown dependent uh, and game script dependent, certainly. Last week against the Jags, uh, Knight had a 20% route rate while Michael Carter led the backfield with a 45% route rate, caught five passes, mostly in garbage time. I, I will say one thing that's kind of weighing on my mind when thinking about Bam Knight, the kids are calling him Bam, you know, and and uh, th- one thing weighing on me is the Chris Strebler package. Like they they want to use him. They, 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 they talked about this week, um, you know, we're, we still might use him in certain situations and that's that's bad that's real bad especially it feels like the situation in which they use him is once mike white's ribs fall out again because mike well, White's. <laughs> i know no no what i mean is like is like near the goal line i know, sort I know. Of, right and, and that and that and that crush that would that that sort of high leverage usage would crush mike white's streaming value it would crush bam knight's uh upside or even floor so I, I I worry about that a little bit because I mean, like say what you will, like Strebler looked like he had never thrown a football, but uh, he was Taysom doing it. He had that, off, that offense. That offense had new life. Had new life with Strebler. Oh, uh, they got four first downs in Chris Strebler's first drive. They had three first downs on seven Zach Wilson drives. Five. Yeah. So I mean, the vibes say Strebler might uh, sneak his way into the lineup here. Zach Wilson's just, he's as bad as any quarterback has been in a real long time. Yeah. I, I think Knight, uh, you you have to be careful with how you value Knight this week. Um, you you probably, I mean, like, I know we keep going back to Tyler Algier. I, I'm I way rather start yeah, yeah, yeah. out here. Oh, yeah. Knight. I think I have Zonovan as the, the boomers call him, as the RB33. Um, so... Uh, Patrick Crane, what's the Geno temperature? He's been struggling 5.4 yards per attempt over the past two weeks, only two total touchdowns. One of those games was without Tyler Lockett. The other was against the San Francisco 49ers. Some extenuating circumstances, but another tough matchup in the Jets, and we do not know if Tyler Lockett will be back, although it seems like he is trending toward a return. Yeah, I have him in a uh, best ball maybe final <laughs> team, so would would like to see Tyler Lockett out there. Uh over the last three weeks, Geno Smith's been 29th in EPA per play. Uh, previously, he had led the NFL in completion percentage over expected. He's down to 16th. Still, like, not terrible in terms of accuracy, but big drop-off. Uh, he does now get a Jets defense that ranks 6th in EPA allowed per dropback. 
I think that one concern here with the Geno Smith stuff is that like we always kind of had to know that the Seattle's commitment to the past was going to be like precarious or whatever, not, not firmly held. So we did see the first signs of them shifting back towards kind of the old Seattle. They had a minus 13% pass rate of expected against the chiefs. They were minus 7% on first down. Uh, I think we could see them go with a more conservative game plan again this week. And, it, you know, like I wouldn't even blame them, right? They're playing, they're playing a very good Jets pass defense. Gino's been struggling, especially if they don't have Lockett. I think they'll go pretty run heavy here. If they do have Lockett, then, you know, I'm not that concerned. And you're, you're starting Lockett. I think you're starting Metcalf. But, um, you know, we could see, we could definitely see uh, Smith kind of turn more into game manager here. Kyle, he mentioned – Pat mentioned the Seahawks going more run heavy. Ken Walker finally got back on track with a hundred yard effort against the Chiefs in week sixteen. I think that happened. Um is he That's back correct. to our, is he back to RB two land? Can we trust Ken Walker again? It never really made sense that he was not producing. Yeah, it really never made sense. He ranked him as RB forty three. We were all a bit surprised <laughs> with that one. <laughs> no, you, you didn't rank him RB forty three. He was 28 touches last week. That was second only to Leonard Fournette, as you mentioned. I don't understand. A lot of life, including that. Uh, but like like I said, 28 touches, the bulk of which were carries, which I thought was interesting slash disappointing because DJ Dallas was clearly their third down, two-minute drill back. And that had faded. That was true early in the year that Ken Walker wasn't getting work on passing downs. And he had finally, before the injury, seen an uptick in that role. I think maybe they worked their way back into it again. I don't see why they would go away from it. But for now, he is a two-down back. As an underdog, you're still playing him. He's still an RB2, but I, I more agree with you now. I was willing to sort of call him a potential RB1. Then we saw him not run, you know, nearly any routes on the Geno Smith drop back. So he is a ton of work on the ground, RB2. This switching quarterbacks, the Washington Commanders host the Browns as modest home favorites. Kyle, give us the lay of the land in the nation's capital. And by the nation's capital, I, of course, mean land over Maryland. Prince George's County. Oh, oh, the lay of the land, it's stinky and dirty. This game will not be great. I mean, Daniel Snyder stopped paying for sanitation services. (laughs) Oh, man. That's really real. That's too soon because I'm sure that actually has happened. happened. Uh, One interesting trend we saw last week, uh, which was a trend we saw earlier in the years, Carson Wentz comes in through 16 passes, Tara McLaurin, the intended target on one of them. In games with Carson Wentz, which I believe is six this year, uh, you know, before last week, might be only five, Terry McLaurin goes from 16 fantasy points per game without to 11 with Carson Wentz. On the other hand, unsurprisingly, Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson both get a three PPR point boost when Carson Wentz has been under center. So, I mean, there are dots in terms of Carson Wentz's versus Taylor Heineke. Carson Wentz is a lot shallower. That results, as you expect, in the Curtis Samuel and even Jahan Dotson, who isn't a shallow run after the catch guy per se, but it's just that he's not Terry McLaurin, who has one of the best roles with Taylor Heineke under center as an oft-used deep threat. He'll probably revert to a sometimes-used deep threat, which, as his split show, is not particularly great for him. So I think this turns all three of them as usable and none of the three as particularly exciting. I'm still ranking Terry McLaurin as the best among them. He produced as the best even with Carson Wentz under center, but the gap closes not by his own doing, not by a long shot. And on the other side, Deshaun Watson has been grateful. Terry McLaurin averaged four catches for 61 yards in Carson Wentz's stats or starts. 
uh, eight for 81 and Tyler, Taylor Heineke starts. So truly a meaningful I mean, good. You alluded to it in the points per game, but just the raw production uh, quite different with and without Carson Wentz. Yeah, not not great. You're still starting him, uh, prob- probably. Still top 24. He's like in the wide receiver 21 to 24 range now, I would say. And I just have no faith that this game isn't miserable. And the Browns have been, uh, you know, dreadful against the run. And the Commanders, given how they've used Brian Robson, are probably fine just leaning into that. Moving to the other side, Sean Watson, dreadful since he, uh, you know, came off his suspension. 31st in EPA per play since his first start. Uh, and it's not just like bad plays. He's just simply been inaccurate. He's, he's been crazily bad. Yeah, he's 27th in CPOE and 20th in success rate. So not only is uh, are the bad plays, the sacks, interceptions, et cetera, et cetera, prevalent, but there are there's no floor of him being like even modestly accurate, frankly. And, and I, like it was an awfully windy and miserable game last week, but uh, he looked just almost as bad as he has in all the other games. So I, you're, I guess you're still starting Amari Cooper because his target share and air yard share have remained strong with Deshaun Watson. But like you are doing it knowing that the offense can collapse at any moment. I think both he and Nick Chubb haven't scored a touchdown since maybe Nick Chubb got his first last week, but have not combined for one at most since Deshaun Watson took over. And the same is kind of true of David and Joku, right? He's played on at least 90% of the snaps in back to back to back weeks. That's tight end one already. Like that's basically what I need to do to jump into the top 12. But like the rest of these guys, it is very feasible. They go out and score one touchdown. And if it's not the guy you chose, you're, you're kind of dead on arrival. Fully guaranteed contract for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Amari Cooper dropped a touchdown last week that would have made his. I didn't see that. I think, I think what happened is he was trying to go down with the ball and it was so icy that he slipped. Yes. He like, he How does every him? Amari Cooper drop has some story. Like it was really <laughs> crazy, but there was a full eclipse. Like that. Exactly. <laughs> It's one of the ones. Touchdown! It's one of the ones where the the stadium is designed to feed light in directly into players' eyes. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes. Oh, there was an icy spot on the on the field. And, he literally uh, once had a ball. I think it was on Sunday Night Football. So NBC apologizes. Hit like a camera cable that caused oh, him to drop yeah, like yeah. a sixty-yard touchdown. There's just always some weird extenuating circumstance. With he had one the other week where he, I think it was on a fourth down too, or just hit him like square in the chest, and there were no extenuating. <laughs> circumstances whatsoever he's a he's a strange guy denny carter the surging jacksonville jaguars arrived for a trap game in houston texas what do we need to know about jags texans where the jaguars are only four point favorites against the like what are they like one twelve and one i wonder if there is some benching risk baked in because the jags gain very little from winning this game they get like a couple extra outs to a wild card bid but uh, as I think we talked about this earlier, that the week 18 is just an AFC South play-in game. The AFC South title will be decided in week 18, regardless of what happens this week. That almost has to be some sort of risk that they at least take it light with their players. Uh, Doug Peterson insists that no game is meaningless. Does and uh, so we'll have to see if he sticks to his guns there. Uh, so I wanted to mention Brandon Cooks, who did not practice on Thursday, but is expected to return to practice Friday. So it might be... Might be a personal situation. Who know? Who knows? Brandon Cooks. He's not the happiest. He hates this team. Right yeah, it, um, it is personal. But right this time, it is personal. Uh, you know, he last week he returned, uh, ran around on eighty eight percent of the team's dropbacks. He led the Texans with thirty two percent target share and forty one percent of the air yards. That is a quite a dominant wide out, wide out profile. Um, 
He also had a 33-yard touchdown called back on a penalty. It's a tough break, obviously, but uh, I, I do I do like him against a, a, a very weak uh, Jaguar secondary. Um, it just pretty much by by any measure. So I, I, I think you're playing him as a wide receiver three. Like I, I think you you get him in there um, if he returns to practice on Friday, I should say. Which he and, won't. And if he doesn't, then obviously you start you start worrying. Uh, Travis Etienne also in a great spot against the 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 league's uh, ultimate most extreme run funnel defense. Uh, I was going to say, save the line. <laughs> you, the knew, line. you knew what was coming. Everybody knew. Uh, Etienne has 62% of the Jaguars rushing attempts over the past seven games. This, uh, like I said, great, great matchup. Um, they've seen more, the Texans have seen more rushes this season than any other team. The Texans have the highest rate of missed tackles against opposing rushers. <laughs> So it's just I just go down the line, and you can find many many reasons why the Texans are such a good matchup for running backs. Now Etienne still frustratingly is not really part of the passing game. That might not matter here if he gets a full workload, and we you know we have to be very wary of this. So you know uh, keep it locked in to NBCSportsEdge.com for the latest in uh, what the Jags may or may not do this week. I do I do think you. You have to at least be cautious about your Jaguars. I actually do take Doug Peterson at face value. With a young team, I don't think – I mean, they're starting this week for sure. But, like, if they go up early, I I do think it's sort of Eagles in that way in which, like, if Hurt starts, you're starting him. But don't be surprised not seeing him in the fourth quarter. I think you get, yeah, at least two and a half quarters. Like, I think they'll come out to start the third quarter. But – I think with young teams in particular, these coaches seem very leery to like lose momentum, which is real according to analytics. We so. have, by the way, we we have a a, a viewer uh, watching the uh, podcast right now saying that uh, I cannot complete this analysis of Jags Texans without mentioning Jeff Driscoll, and it's true. Oh, no. I thought right. you were going to say without mentioning Riley Patterson. Well, I I didn't know I was allowed to talk about kickers, but if no, I am. Then yes, Riley Patterson's a great play. But Ooh, yeah, uh, you just said the keyword to activate the lawyers' recorders. <laughs> fired, fired. You're happy. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Vikings and Packers meet up in one of the games of the week in Green Bay. The Packers are three and a half point home favorites, even though they have five fewer wins than rival Minnesota. Denny Carter, Aaron Rodgers has been playing better in real life of late, but has not really translated to fantasy returns. Now, Christian Watson is questionable, probably verging on doubtful with a hip injury. Is Aaron Rodgers in the QB1 mix for finals week, or have we just not seen enough this year? Uh, it's You know, even in the greatest environments, Aaron Rodgers has still not gotten over that hump. You know, he, he played the Lions, which is just a joke of a defense. Uh, not too long ago, uh, he was quarterback 16 that day against Detroit. He's quarterback 12 against the Titans, a massive pass funnel and one of the worst secondaries in, by almost every, every measure. Jimmy, what kind of funnel are the Vikings? They are a pass funnel. That's Many are right. saying this. Uh, the, the, you know, against the Bears, he was QB 19 and QB 16. Uh, I, just, I just don't think that like this offense or his, his regression as a player – just doesn't allow him to have those like nuclear weeks that we you know that we're I guess we're used to from ten years ago, uh, and uh, so I, I don't I don't think that you can play him as as a, as a QB one here even in a good spot. Now I I, I do think that his uh, receivers are very interesting, especially the boundary guys. Romeo Dobbs is running eighty some percent of his routes from from the boundary, and and uh, Vikings have been terrible against those kind of receivers. So 
I'm not, I'm not saying you have to fade those guys, but uh, Rogers, man, is you, you probably do better. He, he feels like, like a regression monster game waiting to happen to me, but especially if Christian Watson doesn't play, it's just like, why? why That's really right. That? Yeah. And, and Watson, yeah, did return to practice, I think this. Uh, no, so I, I have he an update. He was supposed to turn return to practice and showed up as DNP. So I think that's what Pat was alluding to when he said it. It looks doubtful, right? I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Christian yeah. Watson, if you're listening, could use you. That's it. That, yeah, that's a huge knock for for yeah, Rogers. It is. I'm kind of like weirdly excited about Alan Lazard, though. If it, yeah, if it it's, a good, it's a good matchup. Me too. Another thing. Another thing for Lazard. So Lazard gets targeted on on a way higher percentage of Rogers throws against man coverage and the Vikings have played a lot of man coverage over the past month to try to like do something about their secondary. So I think Lazard is very much in play as a, a wide receiver too. Yeah, all these people, out. Yeah. If Watson's out, all these people fighting for that like yeah. fifth, sixth tiebreaker game with our Alan Lazard teams. <laughs> you're, looking good. you're looking hot this week. <laughs> Here's tight end eligible, which is the actual position he plays in real life. He'd be a lot That's more rude. Valuable. You guys are being rude. Sorry. Pat Crane, any change in the Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon dynamic? Aaron Jones seems a little banged up. A.J. Dillon had, had the better week 16 on Christmas in Miami. Um, or is it kind of a one-game blip? I think it's health-related. Um, he's been limited in practice this week. Uh, but based on the way this game is set up, I think you really do want to be on the Jones side of it unless we have like pretty solid reports that he's going to be very limited with this knee injury. Um you know, he's just clearly the the pass catching guy, and this looks like a, a spot where the Packers should be aggressive. They had their most aggressive game plan of the entire season last week. Sets up very similarly this week. And Kirk Cousins will, of course, throw interceptions on each of his final three drives to end the game. That's like to a tag of Aloha. Um, <laughs> it is what he was born to do. But a, a team that is five more wins is underdogs. It's very very interesting. I mean, no, I'm they, saying I agree with it. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying like uh, you may be fraudulent if. Yeah. Like they are the platonic ideal of a 500 team and just randomness. I mean, they're, they're, they're not literally a 500 team. They're a better team than that, but not by a considerable amount, not by five wins or whatever it is. But I will recommend go check out some of these clips that people put together of Paul Allen calling these close Vikings comebacks. They are some of the best content that we've had in football this season. They're just, they're just joyous. Just Pat, the last on. time you, I feel like you were as touched by content as the Paul Allen stuff was the Russell Wilson subway raid. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which I feel like it's aged well to be, to, to have that leave a mark aged well. It's I think true. this is, this is more uh, just kind of a communal joyous thing as opposed to being horrified by one. Yeah. <laughs> being disturbed and children awake at night. <laughs> Kyle, real quick, TJ Hawkinson ahead of Mark Andrews right now. I have him ranked ahead of Mark Andrews. Um, yeah, you better believe he is, boss. Since being traded to the Vikings, Hawkinson ranks fifth in the NFL in targets. Not among tight ends. Literally fifth in the NFL in targets. Uh, wow. He's second he's second among tight ends in targets, unsurprisingly, only behind Travis Kelsey over that span. First in air yards, slightly ahead of Travis Kelsey. would be nice if he got real yards. He averages like 8.2 yards per catch, like a running back number. At his worst, he's a, he's a PPR scam guy, though. And at his best, like, he can be a playmaker. More importantly, the, the real crux of this question is not as much Hawkinson and what he's done. It's just what the, the Ravens offense looks like. We'll get to, but currently we'll averaging 114 yards passing in his three starts. It's just impossible. We'll, just, we'll get to that right now, Kyle. The Steelers and Ravens meet up in Week 17's lowest total to fare. 
Tell the folks what to expect on Sunday Night Football, where it is at least a rivalry game. Uh, the Ravens are trying to – I think they've already, have they already clinched a playoff spot. They have clinched a playoff spot, and they have no chance at the first round by not many – only three teams do. But they're still um, jostling for home field advantage scenarios. So they'll – you know, they'll play the dudes. The dudes will be out there. doing. Tyler Huntley was kind of a streamer last year. This year, uh, no. not as much. No, 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 no. He is, I mean, no, he is no. not Malik Willis, but they are sort of playing as if he is, and he's giving the fantasy numbers that are not they, that distant. They would throw 10 times a game if they could. Yeah. Right, they really do. And you sort of understand that. Well, and he's uh, the best quarterback in this game. I, oh, I am so, don't. Please, God. Pat, I don't live anywhere near. I know, like, my family, you know, grew up around Pittsburgh. I don't live anywhere near it. It is not strategically, geographically advantageous to give me this game. It's Sunday night. You haven't really been on the Sunday night circuit this year. So oh, cool. Know. Okay, cool. It's Sunday night. Not that you shouldn't watch the game, of course. It'll be You will be incredible. fired if you do not watch it. Um, It'll be an incredible game. It's going to be awesome. And you should tune in. I just have things going on in a game that coincidentally <laughs> – features Kenny Pickett who in his first few games I thought there was something to it he threw some nice deep balls and he had nearly a six percent completion percent over expected since then it's at zero exactly and it's only getting worse in his past four games he's got nearly a minus two percent CPOE I just there's nothing to make of this offense we came dangerously close to ruining Christmas let's just be real he was playing the Raiders the Raiders are like and I had I was tweeting out like just Kenny Pickett hate and someone, when he like threw a touchdown at the end, someone was like, "You, you moron!" I was like, "Wow, you throw one touchdown against the Raiders, and that's that's all. That's the bar against the Raiders. They're like the worst pass defense of the league. I mean, it's it's been a disaster. They got to they got to start over." And the thing is, their draft pick isn't going to be uh, high enough. They're not even eliminated from playoff contention yet. No. They're very very low odds, but mathematically, they're not out of it. So their draft pick isn't going to be high enough unless a quarterback falls to them. And there's a reason quarterbacks fall. So. I don't think if you've made it this far, even if you're in the consolation three, four game or whatever, you should not be playing Steelers pass catchers, not named Pat Fryermuth, who jumped back up to uh, like 80 plus percent routes last week after having kind of a lull. That's just because it's tight end. It's not because we have any optimism for this offense. Najee Harris set a season high in targets, but that hasn't really been his thing this year. So it's very possible. That's just a blip. But he also ran a route on 63% of Pickett's dropbacks, 42 receiving yards, also a season high. And he's getting the bulk of the carries. I mean, you're definitely not getting what you drafted him for, but if you've held on to him this long, you're probably still playing him as an RB2-ish. Uh, you know, he's not even a massive underdog. They're only three-point dogs in this game, and it's because they're on the road. So I guess you're still playing him. You're definitely playing Fryer Muth because that's how tight end is. On the other side, I, I mean, you're still playing Mark Andrews. I believe I saw him ranked as tight end six or seven. You got to keep him like the five to seven range. You just do. There's just no, not enough compelling players to get ahead of him. It's really Yeah, really it's – his ranking as a top half ish tight end one is a reflection of who he's competing against. Not he's a, a legacy end. admission to the tight end range. <laughs> his dad played for tight end one, yeah, and now exactly. <laughs> but to be fair, his volume is almost unchanged. His air yards are a bit down because the offense is, is pretty miserable. But in the Tyler Huntley starts, thirty percent target share, twenty six percent air yard share. He is still the team's wide receiver one by a mile. In fact, I don't think they had a receiver get more than two targets last week, a wide receiver specifically. So he is still clearly the team's wide receiver one. Any tight end who you can say that for, regardless of the offense, is a tight end one on, you know, in fantasy rankings, though I, I, you have to have like Kittle ahead of him. Obviously, Kelsey's been one all year. Uh, you know, there's a few guys you have to put ahead of him. But 
not more than seven. So you're playing him. Mark Andrews' father donated $2.5 million to have the tight end six spot named after him. (laughs) And the backfield, the backfield, we got a quote from Harbaugh talking about how they're going to continue rotating their backs based on, on the flow of the game or whatever coach nonsense. He said, we've had since JK Dobbins returned, he's out carried Gus Edwards 40 to 31, still a very close split. And they still have a Russian quarterback. So both these guys are like fringe RB2-ish type of guys, more so Dobbins, a little less so Gus. But, you know, I guess, you know, Dobbins is a big playmaker. There's some upside based on efficiency there, but no one in this backfield is going to get more than like 15, 16 touches. The Chargers find themselves as nearly touchdown favorites for the battle of Los Angeles against the Rams. Patrick Crane, take us home talking about these two unpredictable teams. Yeah, the Chargers have definitely been, like, honestly predictable in the fact that they can't get going in the passing game with any efficiency. They've had some really easy matchups. I mean, I'm just bashing on on Pickett for for not doing anything in these easy matchups. But it's been true of Herbert as well. Uh, He does get another pretty easy matchup this week and one where you would expect the the Chargers to lean on the passing game. And as predictable as it's been that that Herbert can't get going, the, the Chargers have been consistent about leaning on the pass. The top tier of pass-heavy teams would be the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills. But right after them, the Chargers are, are right there as, as a true pass-first team. Um, they're getting a Rams defense that is very strong against the run. No reason for them to try to establish. They're not good at running the ball. And uh, the Rams are only 27th in dropback success rate allowed. So I do think we can count on volume here for the Chargers. Uh, efficiency, kind of anyone's bet. But you know, volume is nice, and and volume specifically should help Keenan Allen. Uh, he's drawing targets at a high rate. He's got a 2.10 yards per route run that's supported by target volume. I think he looks like a very strong play here. Mike Williams, somewhat weaker, pretty strong, 1.84 yards per route run for him. He's not getting open. He ranks 24th percentile in ESPN's open score. Still, though, he is the primary downfield option. There's no one else that really could even, you know, be reasonably in the mix there. So if Herbert does get going, and he has actually been pretty accurate this season, Herbert, uh, he's 12th in completion percentage over expected. So maybe there's some positive regression coming eventually here. Uh, if it does, you know, I think it would make sense for that to come in the form of some downfield connections with Mike Williams, probably some contested catches since the guy can't separate. But hey, you know, catch a couple of balls uh, over a dude and and then we'll get some efficiency. Um, Eckler, I'm a little nervous here, a little nervous. I was trying to spin this this tale earlier this week on the podcast. Weave it, yeah. Pat. Weave. <laughs> okay, Austin Eckler seems to tweak his knee on the last play of the game. Then he shows up on the injury report. He's limited. Uh, I, they've already clinched a playoff spot. There's no reason for him to play. Well, they're this playing week. for hearts and minds now. This is the Battle of Los Angeles. Well, <laughs> oh gosh, that's even less reason. No one's going to be there. <laughs> but I will note, Austin Eckler, maybe the preeminent fantasy football player in the NFL? Is he really going to miss fantasy championship week? Come on, Austin. Everyone else is. Do you care about your brand? Do you care about your brand? <laughs> that would be so ironic, especially because like, like, if he could play and he's like, nah, I'm just going to sit. Incredible. I mean, yeah, that would be pretty We've rough. never been owned. We are not turning into corn cobs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I hope, I hope you're easily healthy and, uh, and that's why you play. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, that it's I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about about Eckler. The Rams, you know, Baker Mayfield, he plays. 
uh, Cam Akers is like, hey, better late than never. All my Cam Akers teams that were eliminated in week four. Ah, uh, well, you see, some Cam Akers teams eliminated me. I was literally <laughs> messaging Karain and in our Slack, turning into the Joker as great bit then the show on. I come into Slack and say, guys, only need to fade 33 points from Cam Akers against <laughs> one of my best ball teams. Some, I don't know if he's gotten half of that in a no. game this year. So I was essentially victory laughing, right? Devonta Smith had a good game. I'm like, guys, it's over. It's over. And I'm like, oh, one touchdown to start the game early. That's all right. Can he even top 80 yards in a game? Can he even score? T- can he? And by the time I look, I'm Sorry. the joker. By, by the time I look, look into the mirror, the makeup is already you're on. You're the, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 actually, I actually hurt for you. Hmm. Your mom, if I could feel pain, you I would. Came home for Christmas, and you know it was a bit, bit mean of your mom to put the wig on you. Um, <laughs> I know she was trying to be funny, but it was a bit mean. Uh, uh, so. it, on Acres, I, I do want to note that Chargers are twenty seventh in EPL per rush, um, but you do wonder if, like, what happens if the Chargers are? It's the reverse game script of last week, and the Chargers actually force the Rams in a negative game script. I think Acres is somewhat fragile. You know, we could maybe see go back to Kyron Williams. I thought that too. <laughs> well, but it was the wrong game script. <laughs> they absolutely smashed the Broncos. Uh, also, but you guys want to talk about uh, fantasy championship heroes? You know, potentially Tyler Higby. I mean, Tyler Higby. Mm-hmm. He is just meshing, meshing with the new Baker Mayfield. The new Baker Mayfield, who has an eight out of six point three with the Rams. No quarterback has an eight out below 6.4 this season look what they've done to my baby boy (laughs) no look what they've done is resurrect him he was last in the league in epa for play with the panthers last in the league he was over expected he's he's 13th in epa for play over the last three weeks baker mayfield i mean this is a this is a new this is good this little uh shallow version of him and mcveigh season folks Tyler Higby, 3.5 ADOT. That's an insanely low ADOT. The two of them, I mean, they should that, count these as, as handoffs, but Kobe that's and beautiful. That's a PPR Kobe. scam. That's PPR that's a beautiful scam. PPR scam. Yeah, man, you get three yards, boom, he falls down. You get a point. You get 1.4 points. You know, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's that easy. Kobe and Shaq. And we're Kobe, Shaq, Gary Payton, and Carl Malone from the 2003-04 Lakers we get lose. We lose in this horrible fashion in the NBA Finals, but at least we make it there. Uh, we hope you do well in the fantasy finals this week. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> really strange here. Really strange. Why can't we be the Bulls? Uh, yeah, you know, we, oh, we we're the Bulls. We are the Bulls. Don't worry. Most weeks we're the Bulls. Um, I, just, I just wanted to mention that I knew players are on the 2003-04 Lakers. Basically, but I want to mention you got to read Pat Crane's walkthrough. You got to read Denny's funneling thing. You got to read Kyle Dvorak's 32 Has to be a bit at this point. You know the name. You know the name. Danny, you should have. I mean, you titled it Funneling Thing. Yeah, that was your decision. I I, I shouldn't have said, hey, guys, can I write a column this year called Funneling Thing? You got to read my rankings. uh, Danny's uh, Funneling Thing? You got to read my rankings that I will keep updated. And you got to keep it locked to the site. Like we mentioned, a lot of big-time injury news this week, including fantasy MVP Jalen Hurts. So keep it locked to Roto World on NBC Sports Edge. For Kyle, for Denny, for Pat, I am the other Pat. Thank you for listening. We will be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.